all right now. What seems to be your trouble? I feel depressed. I know I should be happy, but I'm not. Well, as they say on TV, the mere fact that you realize you need help indicates that you are not too far gone. I think we better pinpoint your fears. If we can find out what you're afraid of, we can label it. Actually, Lucy, my trouble is Christmas. I just don't understand it. Instead of feeling happy, I feel sort of let down. You need involvement. You need to get involved in some real Christmas project. Incidentally, I know how you feel about all this Christmas business, getting depressed and all that. It happens to me every year. I never get what I really want. I always get a lot of stupid toys or a bicycle or clothes or something like that. What is it you want? Real estate. The season's upon us, it's that time of year. Brandy and eggnog, there's plenty of cheer. There's lights on the trees and there's wreaths to be hung. There's mischief and mayhem and songs to be sung. There's bells and there's holly, the kids are gung-ho. True love finds a kiss beneath fresh mistletoe. Some families are messed up while others are fine. If you think yours is crazy, well, you should see mine. Snowballs. I'd like to take them out back and deck more than the halls. With family like this, I would have to confess I'd be better off lonely, distraught, and depressed. The season's upon us, it's that time of year. Brandy and eggnog, there's plenty of cheer. There's lights on the trees and there's wreaths to be hung. There's mischief and mayhem and songs to be sung. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I opened up with some Christmas cheer, that uh, scene from uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. If you didn't recognize it, you're too young to watch this, to be listening to this show. No, you should be listening anyway, and you should be listening to, you should be uh, taking your notes. Every movie that I show a clip from, that I play a clip from, you should be going and spending the weekend watching that movie. So if you haven't seen Charlie Brown Christmas, that should be... That should be required watching this weekend. And that song's from a group in uh, an Irish group called the Dropkick Murphys, and it's called The Seasons Upon Us. Uh, I personally had never heard it till this morning, and I said, perfect, perfect. I need to use that song to open up my uh, show in the Christmas spirit. In the Christmas spirit that uh, uh, includes some alcohol and some uh, some uh, dysfunctional families, and uh, not, not that... I have a dysfunctional family. My family is perfect in every way, and uh, everybody loves each other, and everything's perfect. We had a great Thanksgiving up in Mammoth. Of course, uh, two of our three kids opted not to uh, 
to get on the roads and uh, and bear the uh, the storms and all that stuff. Um, but our one kid that has grandkids, he made it. And so we uh, got to play in the snow with our grandkids. And it snowed the entire weekend we were up there. It stopped snowing for a couple couple hours here and a couple hours there. And it continued. And uh, it was a, a great time for all. And uh, uh, hopefully around Christmas time, all the kids will come up and uh, we'll have some have some fun on the slopes together. And, uh, and some fun just uh, throwing snowballs at each other. Uh, we also got visited by a... a, a uh, a mama bear and two of her cubs right behind our uh, right behind our uh, condo um don was looking out the back window and said said ed come here quick there's there's three bears in the back in the backyard <clears throat> and they were uh, not actually in the backyard we don't actually have a backyard there's a, another condo complex behind ours but uh these three uh three bears were roaming around through there and uh i quickly called uh, my friend steve Searles, who's the bear whisperer on uh, planet on an animal planet and, or he used to have a, he used to have a show on the animal planet called the bear whisperer, but he's uh animal control for uh mammoth mammoth lakes, uh, police department. And he was already on his way and popped him in the butts with some uh, rubber bullets and got him to come off the, uh, the condo comp, the condo, uh, uh, behind us and, uh, climb down the trees and get back in the, uh, back in the area where they would, uh, not be encountering people and uh, so they wouldn't get hurt and people wouldn't get hurt. So anyway, it was a, it was a great it was a great weekend. I hope you guys had a great weekend. And uh and of course, I hope you guys enjoyed all the uh all the entertainment that we call politics this week because it has been entertaining, has been entertaining quite quite a uh, quite entertaining this past week. And I'm going to talk about all of it, but first, for those of you who don't know me, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, you need financing, then I'm your man. Call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One more time. Toll free day or night. Area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone because you might actually talk to me. Um, You might not talk to me, but you might talk to one of my teammates. Um, But if you want to start out sticking your toe in the water, Let's get involved in the computer first. Go to edhoffman.net. Arrow down to the Summit Funding logo. Click on that. And uh, take you to my lending page where you can put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates. uh, Aaron Fredericks, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, or Brian Goodman. And we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. And uh, if you want to hear anything uh, repeated on, that you heard me uh, talk about on the show, you can also do that on edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as, whether, as well as several past shows. And uh, you can uh, click on them, download them, listen to them on demand. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes where you can subscribe for free. You can have them, uh, you can actually have them automatically download to your, uh, to your iPhone or your Droid, your iPad, your iPod, your mini pad, your maxi pad, your puppy pad, your computer, anything else you can listen to podcasts on and you can have it download automatically once a week as we upload it, it will download to you. And, uh, then you can listen to it on demand regardless if, uh, if my times on the radio are convenient or not, you can, uh, listen to it anytime you want. Or if you want to share it, you can share it that way. Um, if you want to follow me on uh, social media, at Ed Hoffman is my uh, is my uh, my name on Twitter. At Ed Hoffman, I don't have any numbers behind it because I signed up a long time ago. 
of course, I didn't get involved, really get involved in tweeting till a couple of years ago. But I did sign up and try it out. And then just didn't really get involved in it. Um, uh, the Facebook page is uh, facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. And if you want to leave comments on the show, um, you can call up uh, or you can leave a... Well, I still haven't got my uh, my listener hotline back up. Probably because I just forget when I'm busy. And it's busy at the office. So uh, um, if you want to uh, send an email, ed, edhoffman.net. Is where I get uh, messages for my uh, for comments on the show. You know what I get? A, I get this one guy calling in all the time on our uh, on my regular line to complain about my reverse mortgage commercial, and uh, and he's complaining because um, I say on there, hey, if you're if you're uh, considering a reverse mortgage, the only difference between a reverse mortgage and a and a regular mortgage is that you don't have to make payments if you don't want to. And he goes, yeah, you're lying on there. There's more than one difference if you're, uh, because you can't rent your house out. And I wish you'd take that thing off the air because you're lying to people. Well, <clears throat> we tried to get back to him. And uh, Aaron, Aaron on my team does most of the reverse mortgage follow-up. And he's called him and the guy hung up on him. And then he called in the other day. He calls, he calls in and, and, and complains about every two weeks. And he called in and asked for me. And I took the call. And he goes, uh, well, you know what? Uh, you're you're lying to people, and you shouldn't be saying that. And I said, okay, well, um, you know what? What is it? What is your problem with you? Well, you can't rent it. I said, I know you can't you can't rent your house, but you know what? If you're if you're talking about a rental house, that's not even a that's not even an option. So you know, we're talking about there's only one difference if you're living in the house. And he said some uh, some uh, cuss words to me and hung up. I, being the uh, the kind, uh, the kind person I am, and I don't really like to have confrontation. I called him back, asked him, asked him if he was gonna use that kind of language to me. Why he was such a p-word, um, rhymes with wussy, um, that he couldn't, that he couldn't wait for me to give him a retort. And uh, but let me just say, you know what? If you're going, if you're, if you're looking for a little, uh, if you're looking for a little. Uh, Chevy Cavalier or a Chevy, I don't know what they, the little cars that they sell. If you're looking for a little Chevy Malibu and the, and the salesman says, well, you know what? Uh, it, the only difference between the Volt and the Malibu or the Volt and the Cavalier or whatever is a comparable car is that you don't put gas in the Volt. You just plug in and you charge up the batteries. You don't have to have, it's got electric motor, doesn't have a, a gas engine. Oh, wait, here's a difference because it doesn't have four wheel drive. Well, you know what? If you're looking at a truck, then there's a whole then that's a whole different category. So hey, if you're looking and had he had he actually talked to me on the phone, well, obviously you talked to someone about reverse mortgages, and you wanted to use it on your rental house. So let me give you some some opportunity some some uh, scenarios that it could have been. Maybe he's got equity in his rental house and no equity in his in his primary residence, and he wanted to do a reverse mortgage on the rental house. So I say, hey, why don't you take some money out of the rental house, pay down your pay down the mortgage on your primary and do a reverse mortgage on your primary. Or maybe he had uh maybe he had a big mortgage on his rental house and his house other house was paid off. And maybe that was the reason he wanted to make that other mortgage go away. Okay, then do a reverse mortgage on your on your primary residence, take the money and pay off the pay off the rental house. 
There's a whole bunch of options if you just give us a chance to discuss what your problem is. People don't want reverse mortgages. They want the benefit of the reverse mortgages. People don't want to refinance their house. They want to lower their payment. People don't want to uh, to get a mortgage. They want to buy a house. People don't, you know, it's it's the way you look at things. And if you want someone who thinks like you to help you look at things, you know, so people go, hey, you know what? I don't want to pull money out of my house because... Uh, because I really don't want my mortgage to go up. Well, you already have this debt. You got $50,000 in, in credit cards and you got a, two car payments and all that stuff. You already have the debt. You already ran it up. And if you can't afford it, pulling the money out on your house and paying that stuff off, you're all we're doing is rearranging your debt. So if you look at it. So anyway, it's just a matter of how you look at things and how you, uh, and how you train your mind to look at things. And it's how you go forward. If you're worried about, hey, if I pull money out of my house and pay off my credit cards. I'm just going to run the credit cards up. Well, that's a case of, uh, Hey, you know, you got to get over it. I had one client at one time that, that, uh, was refinancing, pay off her credit cards, refinance, pay off her credit cards. And she came in one time and I go, and I go, aren't these the same credit cards that we paid off six months ago? She goes, yeah. And I go, what's going on? Cause I'd financed her house and financed her other house. And you know, she got married, then she got divorced and, I've been financing her houses for years. And then she started crying, I'm gambling. Oh! And she said, okay, well, we have a problem here. <clears throat> so, and at least you got to recognize the, recognize the problem so we can get, get moving forward. So anyway, that's uh, if you want, if you need help with uh, financing a property you already own or financing a property that you'd like to own. Uh, and I'm licensed in nine States, California, Arizona, Nevada, Texas, Florida, Arkansas, Ohio, Idaho, and Washington. And uh, after the first year, I'll go for uh, uh, Oregon and uh, Utah and Colorado. So anyway, so anyway, uh, if you need me, call me. And uh, otherwise, just keep listening to the main event and call me when you need me. So anyway, uh, let's talk. Let's talk about politics. Let's talk about what's going on. Joe Biden embarked on an eight-day uh, tour through the rural Idaho this week. Idaho. I'm sorry, Iowa this week. Aimed at helping him regain momentum that he's lost there on a on a bus emblazoned with the old uh, school Bidenism, no malarkey. And to show the voters that he's serious, Joe's doing everything he can to to shed the confused old man image he's carefully crafted these past few months. So he's getting feisty with crowds. Now he's getting feisty with crowds. More on that in a minute. But he's uh, he's telling Politico he doesn't need Obama's endorsement. By uh, you know, he's telling he, he's saying he doesn't need Obama's endorsement. He's biting his wife's hand at rallies. Uh, this is Joe 2.0, and he means business. And it turns out that Biden's been uh, saying that old timing, that old time phrase, malarkey, for a long time. And I read this malarkey that comes out of your meetings, and I say, whoa, wait a minute. I hope everyone will drop. This stereotypical malarkey. Mr. President, is this more of this Texas malarkey? I guarantee you, Barack Obama ain't taking my shotguns, so don't buy that malarkey. With all due respect, that's a bunch of malarkey. He cares about the middle class? Give me a break. That's a bunch of malarkey. It's more than malarkey, man. It's more than malarkey. So this idea is a bunch of malarkey, what we're talking about here. Yeah, well, if it was me, I'd just say uh, that's a bunch of bullshit. So, uh, that's just the way I talk, you know, I was raised, you know, I was born in 61. So, you know, I had my, my substantive, uh, how to, how to talk street talk in the seventies. And that's just what we did. You know, it's just how we did. That's, that's the way I was raised. So, uh, at one of the Iowa town halls, Joe got the chance to show off his low tolerance for malarkey. 
It happened when this voter asked uh, why he enlisted his son, a hunter, to help him uh, sell access to Obama's White House. I mean, I know damn well I don't have another faculty that I did. But you, on the other hand, sent your son over there, get a job and work for a gas company that he had no experience in the past or nothing. In order to get access to the public, to the president. So you're, you're selling access to the president just like he does. So you're a damn liar, man. And you want to check my shape on it? Let's do push-ups together, man. Let's do, let's run. Let's do whatever you want to do. Let's take number two. Number two. Number two. Number two. No one has said my son has done anything wrong, and I did not on any occasion. And no one has ever said it. Not I didn't one. say you were doing anything wrong. I you said, said I set up my son to work in an oil company. Isn't that what you said? Get your words straight, Jack. Yeah, well, Don and I were watching that, and uh, first of all, the part of it, the part at the beginning is not as clear as the uh, as the later part. But the beginning part, he says, "Hey, you know, I'm a retired, I'm a retired farmer. I'm 83 years old, and you're uh, you're damn near as old as I am. And I know that I don't have the mental faculties to take on that job. And you're too old." And uh, and then, of course, when he he comes back and he says, "Hey, you know, if you want to check my." My uh, my shape. Let's uh, do push-ups. Uh, Joe, I just don't think you got the mental capacity to understand how people are talking. He said you didn't have the mental capacity to take on the job. He didn't say you couldn't do push-ups. Um, and then, of course, you know, hey, you're a damn liar, man. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, this is just so presidential. Um, as the encounter as the encounter progressed, Biden really classed things up by calling the vo- uh, the the voter fat and old. How presidential look, is that? Uh, look, here's the deal. I'm not voting for you. Well, I knew you weren't, man. You think I thought you'd stand up and vote for me? You're too old to vote for me. Yeah, you're too old to vote for me. I I don't understand. I know there's an age limit at the lower age. If you're not 18, you don't get to vote. But I didn't realize there was a too old to vote time because uh I. Would like to, I would, I think we should kick some people out because I think maybe uh, Nancy Pelosi would be too old to govern, and uh, maybe Bernie Sanders too. I think uh, we could uh, change things if we had that, um, but I think Joe Biden probably be there too. Speaking of Joe uh, being Joe, there are some things he just can't escape. Just when we were starting to forget about his fondness for unwanted touching, this creepy clip from 2017 resurfaces. And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand and it get hot. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again. they look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. Yeah, well, I don't quite understand where the roaches came in onto that, but uh, it's just creepy. I love kids jumping on my lap. Maybe he should have been a Catholic priest. I don't. I don't know. Maybe uh, you know. But you know, it makes me wonder. This guy wants to be president. This guy's lost. So anyway, Kamala Harris dropped out. Uh, she dropped out of the race. Uh, and I'm, she's blaming it on Tulsi Gabbard. I remember the uh, the uh, the um, debate when Tulsi Gabbard from Hawaii says, 
Well, you know, uh, Kamala, you know, how many people did you have in, as a uh, attorney general of California? How many people do you have in jail over uh, marijuana charges? And when someone asks you, have you ever have you ever smoked marijuana? You just laughed. And uh, Kamala Harris didn't have an answer to that. And uh, I said, oh, bingo. Home run there, Tulsi, which I'm not a Tulsi Gabbard fan. But, you know, out of all those people on stage, she is the closest thing to having common sense. But anyway, when Harris dropped out Tuesday, her real clear politics national polling average was hovering just above 3%, which is a far cry from where the media predicted when she uh, when they anointed her earlier in the year. The person she sounds like the most is Barack Obama. She wants to speak truth and to defend the America she says she knows and believes in. Kamala Harris is now running for president. And she is one of the top tier candidates. There's a new challenger to Trump, and she's drawing huge crowds. Senator Kamala Harris of California kicked off her campaign this week and surrounded by, look at that crowd. Trump must be envious as hell. Boo-hoo, they're not enough uh, white guys. Uh, I think it's about time. I think it's great that it's diverse and that we have two African-Americans in, in this race. What struck me was her word choice, how she kept on saying, we, we, we. I think she's going to be top tier right out of the gate. Yeah, well, Kamala Harris has a lot. She sucked her way to the top. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> that was a Willie Brown uh, mayor of San Francisco reference. If you haven't heard it, Google it. So now uh, these same people are crying, not because they love Kamala Harris, but because they love the color of her skin. Can you tell me how it is that we're looking at the next Democratic debate with a sea of only white faces on that stage? If the debate were held right now, it would be a bunch of white people on the stage. What is happening right now is a white debate stage just a week and a half from now. The real problem the Democrats are going to have is the next debate. You have no black on that stage. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, imagine imagine if if it was all black people. And uh, and the and the and the white people were saying, hey, there's no white people on that stage. Imagine what the racist people, the race baiters out there would be saying. It's amazing. It's amazing. But maybe someone should remind the Democrats that they still have three women on that stage, two Jews, a guy, uh, a gay guy leading in Iowa and New Hampshire, a Polynesian woman. Plus, they still have one African-American and one Latino uh, and uh, one Native American, uh, sort of. Uh, that would be Elizabeth Warren, kind of. Uh, and there's yet another sign that we just might get Hillary Clinton back. This time Hillary turned up on Howard Stern's show to show America that she's funny, she's relatable, and she's still bitter as hell about 2016. I went to the inauguration of Donald Trump, which is one of the hardest am, days of my life, to something? be honest. Then he started on that speech, which was so bizarre. And that's when I got really worried. I thought, wait a minute. I was sitting there like just, wow, couldn't believe it. And George W. Bush says to me, well, that was some weird Wow. <laughs> and the excuses continued. Did you feel like maybe if you had gone to some diner somewhere in, uh, you know, I don't know, in the middle of uh, yeah. nowhere yeah. And, sh and shook somebody's hand, it would have made a difference? You never know that. I mean, first, I did I did go to a lot of the places, um, maybe not enough, right. that, but I did. But I think that this election uh, turned on other factors. I think, um, you know, look, the Russians and WikiLeaks really 
did a job on me, both in terms of the way they weaponized information and then the way that they... And they're going to do it again. They're doing it again. Right. And they're doing it to whoever else is going to be up there. And I think, you know, the call me letter 10 days before the election killed me. Oh, and that was it, awful. It was unbelievably awful. Oh, Howard Stern, that was awful. You know, Howard Stern used to be a man's man, you know, almost, almost, uh, almost not even a man's man, kind of a pig's pig. But he said, oh, that was awful. <clears throat> I guess he's gone over to the Buttigieg side. Um, but you know what? Uh, my wife being a fashion uh, fashion critic, uh, she pointed out that if you saw saw the clip, uh, Hillary Clinton's wearing that same blue uh, pantsuit that she was wearing all the way through the all the way through the campaign four years ago. And uh, and then, of course, she also pointed out that if you watch the Democrat debates, that Tulsi Gabbard wears the same white pantsuit every time. She never changes her clothes. So anyway, hey, we got I got a lot more to talk about, but I'm out of time for the first half of uh, the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of sports, traffic, weather, and commercials, and I'll be right back with you. Summit funding. I don't talk a lot about real estate financing, and because uh, it's probably boring to those of you that uh, aren't in the market. But if you're in the market, call me toll free at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net. Arrow down to the Summit Funding logo and click. Take you to my uh, summit to my summit funding uh, lending page where you can put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back, and you'll hear back from me or one of my teammates. So anyway, we've been talking about all the fun stuff that's going on uh, this week, and we talked about Joe Biden uh, acting like a senile old man uh, while he's still leading the national polls. Although he's apparently uh, the polls for the Democrats say that uh, Buttigieg. <laughs> And I didn't realize Buttigieg is leading in Iowa and New Hampshire. I thought it was Iowa was Buttigieg, New Hampshire was Elizabeth Warren, and South Carolina was uh, was Sanders, and Nevada was Biden. So the first four states were going to be one each. I can't imagine. I think uh, Elizabeth Warren is is uh, sinking fast, and I can't imagine that. Uh, I can't imagine that Biden isn't is going to hold up, but there's, you know, what's the alternative? Uh, I just, I just can't, I just can't even imagine Buttigieg. I can't imagine any of these guys being on stage with Trump. I mean, if Biden couldn't handle that little uh, encounter at a town hall, what does he think it's going to be like on the stage mano y mano with, with Trump? 
What does Elizabeth Warren think it's going to be like? What do you think uh, Mayor Pete, Mayor Pete, who the only the only uh, experience he has is uh, is running uh, South Bend, Indiana, where Notre Dame is, and he and his a uh, and his uh, popularity in in uh, South Bend, Indiana, is not very good. But he is, but he, but he is gay, so the LGBT people will vote for him. So, and that's really all that's important. And all the college kids will will vote for him. So that's really all that's important. So all the reason that us older people, us people with wisdom, need to make sure and not sit on our butts in November. We need to get off our butts. We need to talk at Christmas to our kids and to our brothers-in-law and make sure that there's some common sense going on. Be nice, but don't avoid those conversations because common sense doesn't spread by itself. But we need to we need to talk it up. We need to spread that. We need to spread the the good news out there. It's like being a Christian. You got to spread the good news, and uh, be in common sense. If you want your grandkids to enjoy living in this wonderful country that we have, as you remember it, do your job while you're still here, and uh, plant the seeds. Plant the seeds so they grow long after we're gone. I'm doing my part. So anyway, this week we got to uh, in case you hadn't figured in case you hadn't figured it out, there will be some kind of impeachment hearing happening in Congress every week from now until the 2020 election, or at least that's what it seems like right now. This week's hearing was was in the Judiciary Committee as opposed to the uh, Intelligence Committee last week with uh, 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 Adam Lyon Sackashiff. Um, so now we're back to uh, Jerry the Weeble Nadler. And uh, if you hadn't heard me talk about it, that Don and I ran into Jerry Nadler at the at JFK Airport on our last trip to New York, and apparently he rode on the plane with us. We were in first class, so we were walking up to the uh, to the plane as they're starting to board, and uh, he was walking away from the plane. And I go, "That guy looked familiar. Who was he?" But Don wanted to get on the plane early, even though our seats were reserved. And I just said, uh, yes, dear. And we went on and uh, got on our got on our seats. And we got off the plane and, uh, at JFK. Um, we uh, wheeled our, uh, our carry-ons out and stopped at the uh, restroom to use the facilities. And as I walked out, in walks Jerry Nadler. And, I'm, and I, this time I'm going, I did a double take. I go, oh, that's Jerry Nadler. He's about 4 foot 11, about 200 pounds, and uh, maybe 250. Um, apparently he used to be 300 and, uh, and I walked and I walked out. I didn't, you know, I didn't figure it out. I had a little delayed intelligence, so I didn't say anything to him. And as I walked out and Don stand out there, she goes, did you see who you just walked by? I go, was that Jerry Nadler? She goes, yep. And I'm going, let's wait for him to come out. She goes, no, 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 no. We're on vacation. Let's not, let's not, we don't want, I don't want to have to bail you out of jail. So that was no fun. I wanted to give him a piece of my mind. Hey, let the president do his job. And by the way, why not? Don't you have a job to do? We pay you one hundred seventy-four thousand dollars a year. Don't you have to do something for that? Don't you have some constituents that want you to do something? Don't all the rest of the four hundred thirty-four members of uh, the House of Representatives aren't they supposed to be doing something? And you know, one thing that I I'll talk more about this next week. But you know, do you realize that these guys get to hire their staff and pay them anything they want? They get to hire their own staff and they get to pay them anything they want. And there's one guy in uh, Florida or Louisiana. I'll talk about the details next week, but apparently he's uh, 
being brought up on ethics ethics issues because he's got his girlfriend for the last five or eight or 20 years that he's been paying her more than his chief of staff to work in his work in his office and it's his uh and it's his uh his his uh his his main squeeze his girlfriend that he lives with and he makes 174 he's been paying her 168 i'll go over all the details next week because i had too much to talk about this week but do you realize that every one of our Congress people gets to do that? Do you realize when they decide to take a trip, hey, we're all going to go over to Israel and talk to Bibi Netanyahu. We pay for all that stuff. And when they say, hey, I'm going to take my family with me and I'm going to stock the plane up with, with booze, we pay for that? This is a bunch of malarkey. Or as I would call it, bull****. So anyway, uh, one more thing for you to to bleep out there, Dan. So anyway, uh, this is just, this is just amazing to me. Just amazing to me. So, uh, so at least, uh, so this, this week the hearing was in the judiciary committee, as I said, and as if it wasn't pointless enough for a bunch of diplomats who've never met Donald Trump to testify about why he should be impeached, which was last week's hearing this week, we got to, we got a real treat because we got to hear four legal scholars who've never met Trump do the same thing. First, we got to hear Harvard Law School professor Noah Feldman, who uh, acts like he uh, is probably a good friend of uh, Pete Buttigieg. This guy seems like a real party. High crimes and misdemeanors are actions of the president in office where he uses his office to advance his personal interests, potentially for personal gain, potentially to corrupt the electoral process, and potentially as well against the national security interests of the United States. I would add, sir, that the word high modifies both crimes and misdemeanors. The framers' world knew of both high crimes and high misdemeanors. And um, I believe that the definition uh, that was posted earlier of misdemeanor was not the definition of high misdemeanor, which was a specific term understood by the framers and discussed in the Constitutional Convention, but only of the word misdemeanor. And that's an easy mistake to make, but the truth is that high misdemeanors were their own category of abuses of office, and those are the things that are impeachable. Yeah, I guess uh, maybe if you're smoking weed and you get high and you commit a misdemeanor, maybe that's what it means by high misdemeanors. Or maybe if you just get the, the, the jibber-jabbers and you just get high before you testify before the judicial committee, um, judiciary committee, and you just start rambling on about idiocy, uh, then that's called high. You can talk, start talking about high misdemeanors because you just get the, the jibber jabbers and you're just, I'm talking and I can't shut up. <clears throat> anyway, that was fun. Uh, we also got to heard from hear from this guy, university of North Carolina, Law school professor Michael Gerhart, who was the first to use the president is not a king narrative. Of course, I use that. I could use that clip from the movie uh, With Honors where uh, Joe Pesci says that. But anyway, he used the, the president is not a king narrative. We've been hearing from the Democrats all week, which is how we know that this was all coordinated with them. The president and his subordinates have argued further that the president is entitled to absolute immunity from criminal procedure, even an investigation for any criminal wrongdoing, including shooting someone on Fifth Avenue. Read one more sentence or uh, I'm sorry. The witness may have another sentence or two. <laughs> Thank you. Um, if Congress fails to impeach here, then the impeachment process has lost all meaning. And along with that, our Constitution's carefully crafted safeguards against the establishment of a king on American soil and therefore I stand with the Constitution. 
And I stand with the framers who are committed to ensure that no one is above the law. Well, you know, what's amazing is uh, we brought these three law professors on to just talk about what the framers, what the founders of America meant when they wrote the Constitution. I don't think any of them were there. And you know what? I think uh, they'll all argue whatever they want to argue. And I've actually brought uh, constitutional uh, scholars into the studio with me back when we were arguing whether uh, uh, Ted Cruz was eligible to be president because of something that was written and talking about whether uh, a child of parents that were born in the United States that were born abroad of parents that were citizens and whether uh, whether what they meant was a parent. And apparently uh, Ted Cruz was born in Canada and one of his parents was a citizen and one of his parents wasn't. And one of the guys says, well, what they meant was, and I said, well, you know, when it comes to a legal document, it says parents, it has an S on the end. That means both parents are, are, uh, are citizens. It doesn't mean one or uh, one or the other. He goes, well, they did that just to, uh, just to make the sentence grammatically correct. I said, no, they used an S because they meant parents. And when you're talking about a legal document, it, you know, the, what they wrote is what they wrote. It means all everything means makes all the difference in the world. It has an S or it doesn't have an S. It means a parent or parents. So anyway, <clears throat> legal scholars are all full of, full of crap anyway. But the breakout star was the legal scholar impeachment of this legal scholar impeachment hearing was Stanford Law School professor Pamela Carlin. This woman is loud, angry, makes it clear whose side she's on, and not to mention she's ugly and she's Jewish and uh, she's also gay. Uh, here's Sheila Jackson Lee uh, setting, setting her up for the perfect joke at the expense of the president's 13-year-old son. What comparisons, Professor Carlin, can we make between kings that the framers were afraid of and the president's conduct today? The Constitution says there can be no titles of nobility. So while the president can name his son Baron, he can't make him a Baron. <laughs> and while I, I mentioned that she's Jewish because, and some of you out there are probably Jewish and say, oh, Ed's ranking on Jewish people. Well, I'll just tell you that. I was brought up in a Jewish family, became a Christian about age uh, 23, I think. And uh, because I noticed that there was a, I noticed that there seemed to be a, a dark cloud that seemed to, uh, seemed to follow my family around. And uh, everywhere, everywhere they went, it was gloomy and uh, start being introduced to uh, Christianity and noticed there was a light, nights brighter outlook on life. And, uh, <clears throat> As as uh, Don and I started uh, dating 31 years ago, she said when she started asking about why my why my mom always said this and why my dad said this, I said ah, oh, it's a Jewish thing. She goes, no, 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 I know Jewish people, and it's they don't they don't say things like that. They don't talk like that. I said, yeah, it's a Jewish thing. And then when she met the rest of my family, my aunts and uncles and my cousins, and she goes, it really is a Jewish thing, isn't it? So when I when I say uh, this uh, this uh, Pamela Carlin. If if you're Jewish, you know exactly. She just has those Jewish characteristics. Anyway, right or wrong, God love her for it, but she's just annoying. Usually Jim Jordan is the Republican standout in these hearings, but this time it was Matt Gates. Somehow Gates managed to put Jerry Nadler in his place and expose the witnesses 
as Democrat donors in the same breath. Will of the American people also elected Donald Trump to be the president of the United States in the 2016 election, and there's one party that can't seem to get over it. Now, we understand the fact that in 2018, you took the House of Representatives, and we haven't spent our time during your tenure in power trying to remove the Speaker of the House, trying to delegitimize your ability to govern. Frankly, we'd love to govern with you. We'd love to pass USMCA. We'd love to put out a helping hand to our seniors and lower prescription drug prices. It's the will of the people you ignore when you continue down this terrible road of impeachment. Professor Gerhardt, you gave money to Barack Obama, right? Uh, my family did, yes. Four times? Uh, I, I, that sounds about right. My, yes. Yeah, uh, my family did. Uh, well, you know, I didn't give it. I didn't give money to Trump, but my wife actually uh, wrote the check. So now, yeah, my family did. Uh that means I did because her money is my money. My money is her money. But this interaction, uh, this interaction with Pamela Carlin was truly golden. Testimony, Professor Carlin, you gave two thousand bucks, or you gave a thousand bucks to Elizabeth Warren, right? Uh, I believe so. You gave twelve hundred uh, bucks to Barack Obama. I have no reason to question that. And you gave two thousand bucks to Hillary Clinton. That's correct. Uh, Why so much more for Hillary than the other two? Because I've been giving a lot of money to charity recently because of all of the poor people in the United States. Well, those aren't the only those aren't the only folks you've been given to. Now, you, you have you ever been on a podcast called Versus Trump? I think I was on a live panel that the people who ran the podcast called Versus Trump. On that, do you remember saying the following? Liberals tend to cluster more. Conservatives, especially very conservative people, tend to spread out more. Perhaps because they don't even want to be around themselves. Did you say that? Yes, I did. Do do you understand how that reflects contempt on people who are conservative? No, what I was talking about there was the natural tendency, if you put the quote in context, the natural tendency of a compactness requirement to favor a party whose voters are more spread out. Well, and I do not have contempt hold on. I, again, I'm very, I'm, I'm very limited on time, Professor. And, I, and so I just have to say, when you talk about how liberals want to be around each other and cluster and conservatives don't want to be around each other and so they have to spread out, it makes people, you may not see this from, you know, like the ivory towers of your law school, but it makes actual people in this country when feel the like, excuse calls me, men- you don't get to interrupt me on this time. Now, let me also suggest that when you invoke the president's son's name here, here when you try to make a little joke out of referencing Baron Trump, that does not lend credibility to your argument. It makes you look mean. It makes you look like you're attacking someone's family, the minor child of the president of the United States. So let's see if we can get into the facts. Bam. Yep. This lady, this lady was, was mean. She was, uh, she, she just had a, she had an attitude that makes you just want to slap her. And uh, of course I could never slap a woman. Um, so, uh, but I, I know my wife would like to, but, um, she was just, she just, you know, you talk about when you're a kid and you know, she had, she had, she had just the attitude. You just want to beat her up because that's what she looks like. But anyway, we don't do that as adults, but she was just annoying and talked down to people and she was just nauseating. Meanwhile, George Washington University law professor, Jonathan Turley, the only scholar chosen by Republicans had this to say. I'm not a supporter of President Trump. I voted against him. My personal views of President Trump are as irrelevant to my impeachment testimony 
as they should be to your impeachment vote. President Trump will not be our last president. And what we leave in the wake of this scandal will shape our democracy for generations to come. Before we cut down the tree so carefully planted by the framers, I hope you will consider what you will do when the wind blows again, perhaps for a Democratic president. Where will you stand then? Yeah, he also made a comment about uh, the Democrats saying that uh, Trump using the uh, the judicial branch of government um, and said, hey, you know what? There's three branches of government, three equal branches. There's the president, who's one person. There's the, the legislative branch, which is 535 people, the Senate and the House of Representatives. And then there's the there's the judicial branch, and that's the, the Supreme Court. And he said, when two branches don't agree, they go to the third branch to break the tie, and that's how it's supposed to be. And he goes, and what you guys are doing, saying that he's, break, he's abusing his power by doing that, you guys are abusing your power. You're doing exactly what you're accusing uh, the president of doing. And uh, I, thought, I thought Jonathan Turley was awesome, even though he doesn't like Trump. But he sure likes the law. Anyway, uh, and one more, one more Repu- Republican who had something to say to Jerry Nadler was Doug Collins of Georgia. Uh, when do Republicans get to call some witnesses? And when exactly are we going to hear from people who actually know Trump? Before you gavel this hearing, before you start your statement, before you go any further, I would like to know two things. Number one, when do you plan on scheduling our minority hearing day? And number two, why or with, when are we actually going to have real witnesses here that are fact witnesses in this case? When? Yep. It'd be interesting to see. They act like this is a legal proceeding, but it's all but uh, being run like a legal proceeding would be. So in an effort to charge Trump with high crimes and misdemeanors before Christmas, Nancy Pelosi announced on Thursday that Congress would begin drafting articles of impeachment. And naturally, she devoted her Thursday press conference to making the announcement in the most dramatic way possible while staying on this week's King theme. Let us begin where our founders began in 1776. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to, to dissolve the political bonds which have connected them with another. With those words, our founders courageously began our Declaration of Independence from an oppressive monarch for, among other grievances, the king's refusal to follow rightfully passed laws. Another founder, Governor Morris, feared that a president may be bribed by a greater interest to betray his trust. He emphasized that this magistrate is not the king. The people are the king. Today, I am asking our chairman to proceed with articles of impeachment. Yeah, blah, 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 gag me with a spoon. And as as we know, Monday, the Inspector General's report on the FISA, FISA court abuse uh, is coming out on Monday. Someone asked her this. He's been hesitant for weeks to, to make this move and cautious to make this move to impeach. Was there an aha moment for you personally, a piece uh, of evidence or testimony that swayed you now to take this step? Well, uh, the, I'm glad you asked that question because all I hear from the press is that I'm moving so swiftly that it's like a blur going by. This has been a couple of years, two and a half, uh, since the uh, initial investigation of the US, the Russian involvement in America's election, which started much of this and then led to other things. 
Oh, so this is all part of the same thing. That phony FISA thing started this. Have you ever heard of people that get off on a crime just because they they didn't have a cert the police didn't have a search warrant before they went in and got the the murder weapon? Well, you didn't have a search warrant before you went in, so we can't use that that evidence. We know this guy killed this person, but we can't use it because we didn't have a search warrant. Aha. And then things took a bizarre turn as she exited the stage and reporter James Rosen, formerly of Fox News with us and now with Sinclair News, asked this. You hate the president, Madam Speaker? Because I don't, I don't hate anybody. I don't have to raise the family's house. We don't hate anybody, not anybody in the world. So don't, don't accuse me. I did not accuse you. You did, you did. I asked a question. You did. And, and Representative I, Collins yesterday suggested that the Democrats are doing this simply because they don't like the guy. I have nothing to do with it. Let me just say this. I think, it's I think the president is a coward when it comes to helping uh, our, our kids who are afraid of gun violence. I think he is cruel when he doesn't deal with the, the, helping our dreamers, though, of which we're very proud. I think he's in denial about the, constitu- about the uh, climate crisis. However, that's about the election. This is about the elect. Take it up in the elect. This is about the Constitution of the United States and the facts that lead to the president's violation of his oath of office. And as a Catholic, I resent your using the word hate in a sentence that addresses me. I don't hate anyone. I was raised in a way that is full, a heart full of love and always prayed for the president. And I still pray for the president. I pray for the president all the time. So don't mess with me when it comes to words like that. Yeah, if I was a Catholic, I would be offended by that, considering that Catholics don't even uh, believe in contraception, much less abortion. And uh, she seems to uh, to support uh, abortion rights and even late-term abortion rights and doesn't think that's killing a, a human being. So uh, I think we had a big thing on this Catholic, uh, Catholic uh, company called Hobby Lobby that was uh, took it to the Supreme Court as to whether they were forced to provide contraception for their employees and I think they won but Nancy Pelosi is a Catholic that supports abortion so anyway if you got you got to see through the BS as you uh, listen to all this stuff and think for yourself anyway I'm all out of time for this week's uh, episode of the main event thanks for listening my name's Ed Hoffman and I'll be back again with you next week the opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Fund Incorporated Ed Hoffman NMLS ID number 